Hello and welcome back to another episode of the What Would She Know podcast. This is your host, Lily Heenan. And today we're going to be speaking about things to consider before settling in a relationship, some questions to ask both you and your partner before settling, and the four pillars of a relationship that you need to consider in order for it to actually work out long term. And I feel like this is a really important conversation. Well, I feel like this is a really important episode because we don't get taught this stuff in school. I don't even think the things that I'm talking about today, our parents were even taught. And I think for a lot of adults, even adults listening, there's probably some things that I'm going to be speaking about. And when I go over the questions to ask your partner and yourself before settling, some of you have probably never even had these conversations. And that's why it's so important to have like this information at our fingertips. And maybe even if you aren't someone who is in a current relationship, you're still going to get something out of the episode because I'm obviously going to tell you what are the key things that you need to be looking out for in a partnership in order for it to work long-term, like the four pillars and the things that you need to be considering. And when you do eventually get into a relationship, maybe if that's something that you want or multiple relationships, I'm obviously going to go through the questions to ask, but in the future, I will obviously put up a post on my Instagram so you can have it at your fingertips. But even if you wanted to, I guess, pause the episode as I'm going along and write things down or come back to it and do that, that's obviously so fine. I recorded this episode yesterday and I listened back to it last night and I wasn't happy with it. It was quite rushed yesterday. I didn't say everything that I wanted to say and I was having one of those days where I just couldn't speak and every second sentence I was repeating a word or saying like 20,000 times and it just wasn't a good very cab day for me yesterday which is most days for me if I'm being truly honest with myself but I just you know obviously I know that my podcast isn't perfect the information that I'm giving out isn't perfect and the way that I articulate myself isn't perfect it's almost for you guys it probably sounds like you're speaking or listening to a two-year-old speak just because my voc I don't have you know whatever that's really irrelevant but I'm just I'm starting this episode off again today so If you guys haven't already, make sure you are hitting the follow button wherever you listen to this podcast. Leave me a rating and review, obviously, only if you like listening, of course. And if you get something out of this episode, send it to someone wherever you're listening to this episode right now. Take a photo, put it to your stories and tag me. Absolutely love it when you do that and it's going to help me reach people authentically so I can continue to help people for free, like you. So. Let's get started into the episode. These are the four pillars to a healthy relationship. So one, attraction and chemistry. Two, lifestyle. Three, values and beliefs. Four, long-term goals. And what I think what happens in most relationships today is they'll only meet one or two of those pillars and the other two or three People don't prioritize or they kind of like sweep those issues under the rug and then it kind of builds resentment and then issues will come up later on in the relationship and then something, you come to this pitfall with your partner and then you just can't seem to work past it or resolve the issues because you weren't considering these factors early on and you weren't having the hard conversations and you weren't asking the right questions. Because you could have, let's just say, you know, you're attracted to your partner and the chemistry's there 
your long-term goals are on point, you both want to travel, then you want to do the whole hustle hard, build a business, or maybe you want to save up together to buy a mortgage for a house and you want to have kids and you want to raise your kids on your farm and that's your long-term goal as like a couple together. You've got the attraction and the chemistry and your long-term goals align. But what if the lifestyle component doesn't work? So let's just say you're someone who's like a homebody, you're really into your fitness and looking after your body, you know the importance of that long-term, you know the importance of showing up for yourself because it's a flowing effect with the relationships around you, you know that's going to be better for your kids. But let's just say your partner on the other hand, hasn't dealt with their core issues, their trauma. They're someone who goes out every weekend, who sits at a pub Friday through to Sunday. They get blackout drunk with their friends and that's their coping mechanism, but they don't see it as an issue. And of course, you know, a lifestyle like that may be contributing to more arguments in the home. You're building resentment because that lifestyle in itself is kind of like a a turnoff for you because you want to better yourself. You know that that kind of lifestyle doesn't align with you. Not that there's anything wrong with sitting at a pub Friday to Sunday. For me, if I had a boyfriend like that, that wouldn't align with me. Maybe when I was like 19, 18, I thought that that was the thing to do. Do you know what I mean? But for me at this current stage, that doesn't align with me. It might align with you guys. And of course that's completely okay, but that's going to build resentment if that's something that doesn't align with you. Or, But I think also there can, you've, you're going to be, regardless of me giving out all of this advice, right? You can't be in a relationship with someone who is completely the same as you. You obviously need your differences. You're going to have different factors in terms of lifestyle, but in terms of like beliefs and values and whatnot. But if you aren't meeting in the middle and they're kind of on similar wavelengths, then I don't think it's going to work, right? So lifestyle is a big one. And let's just say you're not hitting lifestyle. Well, resentment's already starting to build because, you know, your partner's not dealing with their shit. The, you don't seem that that behavior is okay. It's affecting your relationship. It's affecting their relationship with everyone else. They've started to slack off with the effort that they put into you because like they're hungover all the time. It's a domino effect. And then let's just say that continues and you haven't really spoken about all the important conversations in terms of values and beliefs, especially if you want to have kids. Let's just say you have always known that you're going to vaccinate your kids. Something you believe in, you believe in the medical system, you believe in the research, you were vaccinated. It's just, you know, that's what you value. You're going to vaccinate your kids. There's no doubt about it. Let's just say you haven't had this conversation. It comes to the time where you have kids, but your partner is so against it. They don't believe in it. They don't believe in the research. They might believe that like it affects the development of a child and Maybe they believe that we should be exposing our children to things in the environment so that's how they build up their immune system rather than giving them the vaccine. This is just a hypothetical conversation, by the way. And you come to this massive disagreement and then all of a sudden you're divorcing because you can't meet in the middle over such a difficult conversation to have. And obviously because both of your values and beliefs are on either side of the spectrum, then it blows up. Then you meet your massive pitfall and all of your four pillars in a relationship haven't been met. That's why it's so important to meet all of those four pillars, attraction and chemistry, your lifestyle, your values and beliefs, and your long-term goals. I also think that we always hear that love is never enough. You need to be considering these three things also because at the end of the day, you can have love, but if you don't meet these four pillars, it won't work, right? So some other things that I would consider is One, how do they show up for you as a partner? 
Do you love the way that they show you affection, how they show love, how they support you as a partner? Because if you don't, love's not going to be enough. Are you deeply in love with who this person is as an individual? Or is it the idea of them and their potential that you've created in your head that you love? Because if you don't, if you aren't deeply in love with this person as an individual, love isn't going to be enough. And the third thing, how are they wanting to show up for themselves in the world? Do they align with the world that they are trying to, do you align with the world that they are trying to create for themselves and their future goals and their lifestyle? Because for this to work, you guys are going to have to create it together. Not exactly the same, but your worlds are going to collide. And you can obviously have your own individual things, but then at the same time, you're in a partnership and you are going to be building something together. And a lot of things are going to need to align. And if that, if you haven't answered yes for that question either, love is not enough. And I think some of the best advice that I can give you based on my relationship that I've had, my long-term relationship, watching my parents and their relationship, they're divorced now, by the way, you know, my aunties and uncles, my friends who are in relationships, just based off watching all the relationships around me, one of the best things that I can give you is get a dog before you have children because both of you have this responsibility of a dog of looking after it and obviously having a dog is not the same thing as a child, right? But it's going to show you, is your partner willing to look after another living thing and commit to this animal of you know, feeding it when it's a puppy, you've got a toilet train and pick up its poo and wee and you need to walk the dog every day and things come up like emergency and vet bills and vaccinating your dog and all these little issues. And if you're, if you're doing 90% of the work for this dog or this puppy and your partner's doing 10%, it kind of gives you a good idea of what they'll be like as a, as a parent, right? And of course, if they are only giving in, putting in 10% of looking after this puppy that you guys have, of course, have the conversation of like, hey, I've noticed that you're not showing up for this dog. It's a shared responsibility. You need to, you know, step up and help me with this. Like I shouldn't be the one doing all the, picking up all the poo and the, the pee all the time. Like you need to do it just as much as me. And then of course, if they go, you're so right. I'm sorry. I've been really slack with that. And then obviously they step up their ball game and they start helping you out with that. Great. Amazing. But then if they're that person who like kind of I know. And I mean, of course, if you like picking up the pill and the wee and they don't and you're happy with that agreement, of course, amazing. I'm someone who really thinks about the future. So having a puppy with my boyfriend, I didn't even think about it at the time. But when I was kind of going through it, I was like, this is really showing me how my boyfriend will act with kids. And if he's able to take on this responsibility and is willing to help me out and do all the gross things like picking up the pee and the, wo- pee and the poo that I don't necessarily want to be doing, but it's just... It just really demonstrated, are they willing to take care of another living thing who literally relies on you in a way? So get a dog before you have kids, guys. I also think another great tip is live with them in a rental first. Live with them in a rental first before you go and do something like buy a house or put a deposit down for a house because having a mortgage is a big thing. And what if you guys break up? What if something happens? All the things that could potentially go wrong. Now, in, sa- in me saying this, I know people who haven't done this, who haven't done the rental thing first. They've just got, gone all guns blazing. We're putting a, a deposit down on a house. We're buying this house. We're living with each other. And they're in the most happiest relationship ever. I've got friends who have done this who are engaged and they're in the best and most healthy relationship ever. And it's worked out for them. And that's amazing. But 
in me saying that, I think I personally would rather do the whole rental thing first and figure out if this is really it and if I can genuinely live with this person forever and know how this person acts when you live with each other before you make such a big decision like buying a house with each other. Because with my personal experience, me and my boyfriend before we lived with each other, we would stay with each other every night between our parents' houses for like two years. And at that time, I, you know, told myself, I pretty much live with my boyfriend. I know what he's like. I know that I can live with him. I know that he's pretty good at doing X, Y, Z. And, you know, we work well with each other. Let me just tell you that, yeah, there's truth in that. But it is so much different from going, from seeing each other every night between shared houses to actually just living with each other one-on-one in an environment that you both need to work with each other and both have common rules of shared housework and just the little things like does your boyfriend leave his fucking towel on the bathroom and you're the one who has to pick it up and you're starting to act like his mom because, you know, all of those things can come up. And I just think you need to test. And while living with your partner is the funnest thing ever and the best thing ever, it also changes your relationship like it does. It brings things to the surface that you didn't even know were there. Triggers, you know, the way someone lives, even though you thought you genuinely, truly knew how they lived. Are you going to be have to teaching them all the fucking basics of how to look after themselves because they had everything done for them at home? Are you going to be living with someone who's a complete pig and who doesn't pick up after themselves? Are you going to be living with someone who blasts music morning and night while you're trying to sleep? Are you going to be living with someone who has really bad memory skills and forgets to pay the rent on time? Are you going to be living with, you know, someone who you truly love, but there's all these little annoying things that you didn't even know this person did that fucking annoyed you and there's all this resentment building up and you kind of have like a aha moment of, uh, this relationship isn't for me, this person isn't for me, this is not it. I want to go and have a different experience. We shouldn't have fucking put this deposit down on this house because now I feel like I'm tied to it and there's no way out of it. I just think that you should be living in a rental with your partner before you make any big decisions. But that's just my personal opinion. Okay, let's get into the questions to ask your partner before settling. So these questions are going to reveal more than you think about your partner. And if you aren't in a relationship, Regardless, these questions are going to be great to know or put to the side or something that you could put. This is an episode that you could potentially come back to in the future. Okay. So I know I've just done so many episodes on cheating, but I'm just going to start it off, get it out of the way. What do you consider as cheating? You guys know that's a really important question to ask. If you haven't, if you've been listening to my cheating series, second question, are we going to be committed to a monogamous relationship forever or should we continue to come back to this conversation of, are we doing monogamy? Are are we being open every like so few months or so few years? Three, children, do you want them? And if we do have kids, who's coming first, me or the kids? And I think this can kind of be a controversial question, right? If we're having kids, who comes first, me or the kids? I personally think that in a way the kids come first, but then at the same time, I think the relationship that you have with your partner comes first because As you guys already know, if you've listened to most of my episodes, your relationship with your caregivers is so fucking important and it sets the blueprint 
of how you see the world and how you interact with others and the relationship you have with yourself for literally your whole life. So if you've got parents who are only with each other for quote unquote on the kids and they genuinely need to break up or there's like all these issues that keep coming to the surface or there's no boundaries in the relationship or, you know, all the things that could be present in a couple, it's going to be projected onto the kids and kids are like sponges. They take that on. And of course, there's going to be consequences to that. So I think in a way, for me, if I'm having kids, the relationship comes first, but in terms of needs, obviously the children comes first, if that makes sense. The person that I have kids to, if that's Murray, our relationship will always come first. But what's more important to you, traveling or buying a home? Or both, if you've got the money. Five, if we are buying a home and living together, are you wanting to stay close to family? Six, what's your timeline for marriage and children? Seven, if I can't have kids, would you be willing to stay and look? at options or is it a deal breaker for you? So, you know, things like adoption or IVF or even surrogacy. Eight. Okay. POV, we have kids. One of them has just let us know that they are attracted to the same sex and our youngest has just told us that they're transgender. How are you reacting? Are you supportive of them? Why and why not? I think that question in itself, number eight, is literally the most fucking important question you could ever have because I could not think of anything worse than having kids with someone and then something like this comes up and obviously like I will support my kids no matter who they are or who they identify as and if you're with some fucking dude who just is like obviously transphobic, homophobic, oh, the trauma, I just can't. Like just have that conversation with your partner, please. This next question, number nine, kind of ties in with number eight and if you've just asked your partner, you know, if one of our kids is gay how would you react how would you feel and they're like of course fully supportive couldn't care less sexuality is literally a spectrum that's a whole nother conversation that like another episode that I want to do want to have um couldn't care less love and support my kids no matter who they are and then you ask them this is the next question number nine would you be a prison gay and they go oh why would you ask that and they get their like knickers in a knot and how they react to that, they react to that in a, in a negative way. I think that tells you more about them and their character just by simply asking that question, how, would you be a prison gay? And not everyone has to be a fucking prison gay to be supportive of the same sex. But like if they're reacting in like a really childish and uh, internalizing homophobia in a way, well, of course, they're not going to support your fucking kids, let's be honest, if they do come out as wanting to be in the relationship with someone of the same sex. Do you know what I mean? So I think number nine, would you be a prison gay, is a really interesting question and important question to ask. My friend Regan asked me this, and I think it's just a really fun question. It gets you thinking, and it, like hypothetically, do you know what I mean? Number 10, how important is intimacy for you? Number 11, have you dealt with your own personal and family's generational trauma? Because again, everyone's got trauma, everyone's got family generational trauma, but if one, they aren't willing to admit that, they'll pass that on to your kids, 100%, without a doubt. And without a doubt, everyone passes shit on to their kids. Everyone projects things onto their kids, projects triggers, old wounds, old traumas. Our parents all did things to us that have shaped us in a way, for the worst. But guess what? You and I, 
everyone listening to this, if you haven't already had kids, we're going to do the exact same thing. It's almost inevitable that that's going to happen and we're going to push and we're going to do the exact same thing. Like it is literally impossible to not fuck your kid up in a way. You know what's really interesting? Someone said to me recently, a male, that they don't believe in depression or going to therapy. They think it's a red flag. And there's one part of me who sits here and goes, Lily, it's okay. Everyone's allowed to have their opinions and beliefs and that is okay. I do think that. But then there's another part of me that like kind of sees through that statement and I can guarantee you that's not your belief about depression and therapy. That's a belief that was probably pushed on you by your parents, probably your father. And this is where the cycle of males not believing in therapy and not wanting to reach out for help because it literally comes from their dads and society and their dad's dads and the cycle just continues until someone's ready to heal it and acknowledge that hang on why are we constantly pushing on males that you know it's not okay to seek help it's not okay to cry like I look at my dad and he has gone through so much shit and I think I've seen him cry once or twice in my life and that man has so much trauma and if he was here right now I guarantee you he would tell you that he has no trauma. And I'm like, dad. But that's just like that typical generational cycle of them not thinking that anything's wrong. They don't then go and seek help, but then they push it onto their kids of like, you know, men don't struggle, they don't seek out help. And then we wonder why as a society, why the rate of male suicide is so fucking high. And this is why having the conversation of have you dealt with your own personal and family's generational trauma is important because we all have it. And especially for men, I've said to my boyfriend, I said this years ago, and it's a topic that we always talk about. I said, I think I want boys, all boys. I know I can't really control what gender I have, right? But I would love at least one boy. And what's really important for me is that they have a father figure who has broken the generational trauma cycle of men don't cry, men don't go to therapy. And I will want my son, if I have one, to have a father figure who is open to therapy, who's gone to therapy, who's dealt with their shit, who is able to express emotion, who isn't stuck in the toxic masculine energy, who is able to connect with themselves and others and have deep relationship and have a really deep relationship with themselves and is in tune with their emotions and doesn't bottle it up and just like all the things that's so fucking important to me especially if I have a son because I literally just look at the rates of suicide and I just look at it as men are so stuck in this cycle of well my dad didn't model this to me the men in my life didn't model this to me I know someone who was going through something right they were in a really bad mental state and they had suicide ideation and their uncle told them, like they went to their uncle to talk about it and their uncle said to them, don't tell your parents, just they don't need to hear this. You just got to keep this to yourself. That's just the typical cycle of if you're hurting, don't tell anyone. I could talk about this topic forever, specifically men's mental health and the chain of generational trauma and the chain of men's trauma of just like passing down the fact that, you know, depression isn't real. 
fucking therapy doesn't work. I'm not going to therapy. And it's like, dude, all we have to do is look at the rates of suicide and look at the fact that when was the last time you cried as a man to put all the dots together and go, yeah, this is a problem and this starts with me. This cycle isn't going to end unless I'm committed. I think if I was a man and I had a dad who didn't cry, didn't express emotion, shamed me for it, of course, there's so much trauma and baggage that comes with that. But then also at the same time, one, they only know what they knew from their parents, right? You can't blame them. It's This isn't a blame thing. It's taking responsibility in yourself and your own healing journey and your own trauma rather than just blaming the world around you and I am this way because of my parents. I mean, yeah, there's truth in that, but you need to take responsibility for your own healing. We need to have compassion for our parents and love because this is their first time at doing life as well and they literally only know what they know and it's just a cycle of society pushing these fucked up norms onto us until one of us is ready to break the cycle. Anyway, enough on that topic. 12, this kind of ties in with what I was just saying, but would you be open to going to couples therapy? Why or why not? Because all relationships go through rupture and repair periods. We need to be expecting that issues are going to arise. But what happens if you're with someone who isn't committed to working on the rupture and is conflict avoidant and you think couples therapy is important and you want to go to couples therapy and they're not open to it? You know what, what's like one thing? Me and my partner did couples therapy. And we were going through that like rough patch that I told you guys about. And so grateful that he was obviously open to it and went and didn't put his guard up and was closed up to it and whatever. Because that would have been a massive thing for me if Muz wasn't open to going to therapy and working on our relationship and getting extra help that we needed. Even though we're so young, right? That probably would have been a breaking point for me. Anyway, number 13, are you committed to working on yourself and your healing journey? This kind of ties in with, you know, everything that I've just said. But again, how they respond to this question will say a lot about them. 14, how often are we seeing family? 15, if one of our family members fell unwell or, or eventually needed some sort of care once they got older, are they moving in with us or are we sending them to a home? 16. What would you do if you started falling out of love with me? Would you talk to me about it first or go to someone else to speak about it? 17. Do you think that looking after your body is important to you and should be a priority? Why or why not? 18. Do you want to live in a different country? If one of us does and the other doesn't, would you be open to giving long distance a shot? 19. How will we keep the spark alive and prioritize our relationship? 20. What do you think of gender roles? Are assigning different roles to each other important to you? 21. What's your opinion on vaccinations, public school systems, and even home birth? You need to be having these conversations before you even think about having a kid, if that is something that you want to do. 22. If we have children, is someone staying home with them or are we both working and they will be in someone else's care? So this kind of ties into like the typical gender roles. And the last one, 23, how would you feel about my body if it got bigger? Is there anything that I do or could do that would completely turn you off? So there, some of the questions that I think that you should ask before settling and going back to what I said before, the four pillars that you need to consider before settling for a healthy relationship is one, your attraction and chemistry, two, 
your lifestyle and does it align with each other? Three, values and beliefs. And four, long-term goals. And like I said, love is never enough. You need to be asking the questions of how do they show up for you as a partner and how they love you. Are you genuinely in love with this person or is it just the idea of them that you love? And how are they wanting to show up with themselves and the world? Do you align with that? Are you willing to create that together? I hope when you guys have these conversations and ask these questions and reflect on these things, I hope it is positive, of course, but if it's not, um, break up with them. I'm just going to say it to you straight. It won't work. Or you'll just be fucking miserable for the rest of your life because resentment will show up somewhere. Anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's little episode, another relationship one. And I hope you have a beautiful rest of the week wherever you are. If you got something out of this episode or if you're thinking of someone right now who needs to fucking hear this, send it to them. I love you guys. And remember, nothing changes if nothing changes.